Good morning. Sorry, I got to do some rearranging real quick. Well, Merry Christmas. This one's kind of better. I can hide behind it better. So, uh, I just want to say it's an honor to be here today for my family and I to get to spend our first Christmas here in this church with y'all today. It's just, it's very humbling. And I'm just honored, and I thank y'all for this opportunity. But will y'all please stand? <clears throat> We're going to read Luke 2, verses 1 through 14. It says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census first took place while, I'm not even going to pretend to know how to say his name, was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, every one to his own city. Joseph also went from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there was in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Christ of the Lord. And there will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth, good will towards men. Will you pray with me? My Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for sending your son so many years ago, Father, just to... Just to save us from ourselves, Father, I just pray that through this day that we'll just uh, reflect on the true meaning of Christmas. Father, I pray that you'll just open our hearts and our minds and our ears to receive your message. Father, I ask that you remove me from the situation and just let your words flow through me. Father, I love you, I praise you, and I give you all the glory. I ask you things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so last week we talked about the birth of John the Baptist and now he was here to prepare the way for the Lord. Today we get to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior. Luke starts off telling us that the angel Gabriel came to Mary, telling her that she would become pregnant and she would give a son, would give birth to a son, and that his name would be Jesus. See, the prophet Isaiah spoke of this in Isaiah 7:14. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the angel shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel which we all know that means God's with us. See, Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew word Joshua, which means the Lord saves. And Gabriel told Mary that her son would be great and that he will be called the son of the highest. <clears throat> Last week we talked about how Zacharias questioned Gabriel, and this week again Mary questions him. But see, Zacharias, he questioned him out of doubt. So he just didn't understand how it could possibly happen and just had fear 
But Mary's question was more of a concern and just wanted more of the details. We talked about last week how women are very detail-oriented. So she just wanted to know how this could possibly happen since she hadn't been with child. And I love in verse 37, chapter 1, verse 37, the, the Gabriel answers and says, for, for with God nothing is impossible. And Mary responded in verse 38, Behold, the maidservant of your Lord, let it be to me according to your word. So that's very beautiful right there. Let it be to me according to your word. How many times in life do we think we know better? How many times do our desires and what we want get ahead of what God has for us? Instead of saying, just let it be to me according to your word, we often question and doubt and try to do things our own way. And now we have Joseph. Joseph was engaged to Mary, and he found out that Mary was pregnant, and he was upset. And what man wouldn't be? I mean, if, we, if you're supposed to be getting married and you find out that your girlfriend is already pregnant, you're going to have some questions. But Joseph, he was a good man, and he didn't want to shame Mary in public, so his plan was to divorce her in secret. But again, the angel appeared and spoke to him, telling him to take Mary as his wife, because the child that she was carrying was of the Holy Spirit. So Joseph listened to the angel and did what he was told, and he took Mary for his wife. Again, we have another example of just obedience. When we put our own concerns and our own doubts out of our mind and just do as we're told. So we come to a time now that the Romans have sent out an order from Caesar Augustus to have everyone registered in their own city. So since Joseph and Mary were both from the lineage of David, they went up to Bethlehem. Now this may have been an order coming from the Roman government, but it's actually God using regular people, people that didn't even believe in God, to fulfill the prophecy in Micah 5.2. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, you are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So Joseph and Mary leave, leave Nazareth and they head to Bethlehem. So this is about a 90-mile walk. You know, the gospel doesn't actually tell us the age of Mary, but many people believe she was probably between 12 and 16. So this would not have been a very easy journey for her. The trip under normal conditions would take a little over 30 hours to make. But when you add in a very young, pregnant woman, I would assume that the trip took much longer. It's widely believed, but not written, that Mary, that Mary had a donkey that she rode. But even with a donkey, this would not have been a simple trip for her. I've never been pregnant myself, but I'm sure you women could tell... Could, stand up and say that it wouldn't be easy to ride a donkey 90 miles while being, being pregnant. So they get to Bethlehem, and Luke says that while they're there, the days were completed for her to deliver. Chapter 2, verse 7 says, And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for him at the end. So when I read that this week, I kind of got stuck there. And I couldn't figure out what the big deal of this was, but it just kept running through my head. You know, I'd heard the story of Jesus' birth countless times in my life. You know, they left, they went to, they went to Bethlehem, wasn't no room at the end, Jesus was born in a manger. But it just stuck in my head, and I just kept thinking that and thinking, you know. And so I started digging into it. You know, we always heard Jesus is born in a manger, Jesus is born in a manger. Well, when you read it, it says he was born, he was wrapped in swallowing cloths, and laid in a manger. So I guess just being simple-minded and never paying much attention, I always just assumed the manger was just a barn 
or the stall that, that he was born in. So I started doing a little more studying on the word manger. And the definition of the word is a trough or a box in which fodder is laid for cattle or a place in which horses and cattle are fed. It comes from the Latin word mandiri, meaning to chew. So the first thing I realized is that the manger was symbolic. Jesus was laid in a manger, the place where animals come to get physically fed, and we come to Jesus to get spiritually fed. Next, the manger was planned. You know, it always sounded like bad luck that there wasn't no place at the end, so Jesus had to be born in the manger. But see, this was all part of the plan. The prophet Micah lived 700 years before the birth of Jesus. So God had at least seven centuries to plan this out. But actually, this was the plan from the very beginning. You see, Jesus wasn't plan B in case we messed it up. Jesus was the plan because God knew we would mess it up. And God could have chosen, easily chosen somebody that lived in Bethlehem to give birth to Jesus. But instead, he chose someone 90 miles away. He could have easily put it in Joseph's heart to go to Bethlehem to visit a friend or, or a family member. But, he but instead, he chose to use a census ordered by a Roman official in order to ensure that all the ends would be full. And you would think that a God that could use the most powerful empire at the time to move a young woman from Nazareth to Bethlehem could have made sure that there was a place for them. Of course he could. He could have set it up for Jesus to be born anywhere. He could, have had his, he had, could have had him born in a palace. He could have had him born in the temple. He could have had him born anywhere he wanted, and that's exactly what he did. You see, he brought Jesus into the world in a very humbling surrounding. The Son of God didn't need a big fancy crib to lay in. He was perfectly content with the, with the manger. And third, the manger was a sign. The angel of the Lord appeared before some shepherds in the field and gave them great news. Verses 11 and 12 says, For there is born to you in this day in the city of David. Uh, hold on. For there is born to you in this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, laying in a manger. Every baby in Bethlehem at the time would have been wrapped in swaddling cloths. But there was only one that was laying in a manger. No other king anywhere in the world would be laying in a manger. But to find this one meant finding the king of kings. And fourth, the manger is the way to discipleship. The angel appeared to shepherds, not to the Pharisees. He came to tell the good news to the low-class, stinky people that spent all their times with the animals. The Pharisees would have never believed that the Savior would have been born and laid in a manger. Luke 10, 21, Jesus says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and revealed them to the babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. See, not the wise, not the educated, not the rich, not the popular, not the famous. But God reveals the things to the ones who have truly opened their hearts to the world or to his word. And lastly, the manger is glorious. The Bible says suddenly there was an, uh, with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. See, God came down from heaven and humbled himself to be born in the, and laid in a manger in order to save us from ourselves. You see, Christmas shouldn't be a time of celebration of giving the most expensive gifts and the newest technologies. It's always been about our Lord and Savior, 
humbling himself and leaving behind his deity in order for us to be able to have eternal life. Christmas should be a simple time of love and celebration for our Savior. My desire is that we can move past the commercialization of this holiday and return to the true meaning of it. It's not about the lots. It's not about the gifts. It's not about the music. It's about Jesus. It's about our Lord and Savior. It's about a man that was willing to die for us even when we weren't, we weren't ready to live for him. And I know it gets really stressful trying to pick the perfect gift for your wife or your kids, all the cooking and baking and cleaning and trying to schedule around everything, all the traveling, all the extra spending, all the traffic on the roads. Man, it's crazy just to get across the highway right now. But I want us to get back to a simpler time that we can truly rejoice in the birth of Christ and that we truly understand the meaning of this holiday. You know, if Jesus could humble himself to be born and laid in a manger, that was, that's very simple. And I would love for us to be able to simplify our Christmases and turn it back to Jesus. You know, I try to think, how would Jesus celebrate this day if he was here? And I, I don't see him buying the most expensive gifts for his family. I see him going out to the ones that had nothing. I don't see him having big feasts with his family. I see him going out and feeding the, the hungry and the starving. You see, we've changed what this holiday is about, and we've made it about ourselves and about our families. But we need to make it about the ones in this world that don't have anything. There's countless homeless people in this world. There's several people that have been hit by the storm this weekend that have no electricity, no heat. Like I said, there was a friend of ours that they lost everything last night. I want Christmas to be about them and not about us. I want Christmas to actually have a meaning in our hearts and our desires. But I don't want to do these things so that I can boast and say I did these things. I want to do these things because Jesus did these things, and I want to be like him. So will you please rise? We're going to open the altar. Do you need this back? Are you coming up here? I want to thank Allie again for willing, being willing to do this. So we're going to pray. The altar will be open. My Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your son. And I thank you that you sent him to die for us. Father, I just pray that you'll change our hearts, change our minds, change our way of thinking, and change our way of living, Father, that we can be more like Christ and that we can represent him and do the things that he did and not do the things that the world does. Father, I just ask that you'll speak to us, speak to our hearts, and just give us opportunities to share your love, Father. We love you, we praise you, and I give you all the glory. I ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen.